just in that initial talk, I was like, man, I you're going to serve, and I was really hoping that the church felt the same way, you know, um, and just in those initial conversations, you could just sense, you know how it is in your life, when you've had God moving in your life, and you just know God is, is leading, and I just knew that, that God was leading us here, I knew it when I met the youth workers, and I really knew it when I met the students, and I spent some time with them, and I said, man, this is where God is leading us, and God has just continued to confirm this is our home and I could tell you story after story of how things have just kind of worked out um, in ways that, that would just blows my mind, and I think it would blow yours too, but I'm not going to bore you with all those details. But this is our church family, and we're excited about that. And while this is our last week on staff as, as youth pastor, it's not our last Sunday by any means. We're going to be traveling all over the place. I'll tell you more about that kind of at the end of this, but... Every week we're not traveling around sharing the gospel. We're going to be right here as a family worshiping with you guys. And, and so while we're still going to be here, with that being said, it, it's going to be a little weird. You know, for, for me um, to not be a youth pastor, this is what I've done for the last 12 years of my life. Um, this is what I've done literally since I graduated high school. I got out of high school. I went to East Texas Baptist University. I stepped foot on campus. I spent about a month just kind of getting used to college. And then I got a youth pastor job. And so since I was 18 years old, this is all I've known is just walking in a youth room Sunday morning, teaching Sunday school, Wednesday night, teaching Wednesday nights, hanging out with kids, going to games. This is what I've done my entire 20s. And so um, this is going to be very strange for me. And so, Corey, if I happen to accidentally wander on stage on Sunday morning to do announcements or pray, just kind of redirect me, all right? Like, just kind of remind me, hey, that's not your job, all right? And if I wander in the youth room students and, like, say, hey, it's time for announcements, like I do every Sunday morning, say, hey, dude, that's not your job, all right? That's Daniel's job. Because it's, it's just going to be weird. Old habits die hard. Um, and and in, in all seriousness, it will be a little weird for me, a little weird for you. Um, but even though we will still be here, there's an important transition taking place. God has called me and my family to full-time evangelism, which is scary, all right? We're um, just excited, we're, we're nervous, but we're stepping into a whole new phase of life, and Sally and I both have kind of put it like we're having an identity crisis, all right? I don't know if you've ever been there before where God transitions you from one thing to another, but it's, it's a weird place to be. But while God's calling us to that, God has called Daniel and Julia to come in and lead the student ministry. And I find it helpful in times of transition to remember some highlights from the past. I, I remember when I was a sophomore, junior, and senior in high school that every season when we would finish our football season, our coaches would put together a highlight film. And we would sit and we would watch that film and we'd, we'd, we'd either joke with each other or we'd be like, dude, that was awesome. And we'd just kind of sit there with the coaches and reflect on all the great things that had happened in the season. And I think that that's something that God likes us to do too. And I have some biblical evidence for that this morning. God commissioned the Israelites to do this on several occasions because I believe... And this is kind of what I want you to catch so far this morning. I believe looking back at the highlights from the past gives us hope for the future. Amen? When we look back and we see God moved in my life in the past, we have hope that God's going to do something great in the future. And so let me kind of give you an example. If you want to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4, I'm going to start there. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. First, cham first Samuel, chapter 4, verse 1. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. The, they encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. 
We'll stop there. So Samuel was a prophet of the Lord. They were camping at Ebenezer, which that word means stone of help. I think Joel even a few weeks ago saying, come thou fount of every blessing. That second verse says, here I raise my Ebenezer, talking about this time of remembering a stone of help. We'll talk about that more as we go. But they're in battle. Who are they in battle against? Let's interact here. I'm a youth pastor, at least still, all right? So y'all interact. Who are they, who are they in, in battle with? The Philistines, all right? And so they're in Ebenezer. Philistines are in Aphek. And so they go into this battle, and honestly, the Philistines put a whooping on the Israelites. They take it to them. And when they beat them down, the Philistines steal the Ark of the Covenant, and they take the Ark of the Covenant, they bring it into their camp, and they're so excited. We've beat the Israelites, we've beaten their God. And while they have the Ark there, people start to die. Philistines start to die. They start to get tumors, and they say, okay, we don't want this thing. And so they move it to another part of their, their camp, and p- everywhere they move it, people die. Philistines die. They get tumors because they weren't supposed to have the Ark of the Covenant. It belonged to the Israelites. And so they're trying to decide, what do we do with this thing? And finally, they give it back to the Israelites. And when they give it back, the Israelites celebrate, and Samuel calls the people, let's return to the Lord. Get rid of your idols. Repent. Let's follow the Lord. And then, at their celebrating, the Philistines attack again. And when the Philistines attack again, it's kind of a blindside attack, and they're unexpected, Looks like they're going to lose again, but then God shows up, as God does, right, when we're not expecting it. And God shows up with a loud thunder, a loud sound, and it confuses the Philistines. And so Israel takes it to them, and Israel wins the battle. The ark stays with the Israelites, and then Samuel says this in chapter 7, if you want to turn right over there. Chapter 7, verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin, and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. He called the stone what? Ebenezer. It's a stone of help. This was like a memorial stone to say, We were celebrating, we were excited, the Philistines attacked us, we were going to get beat down again, but remember, God showed up. And God made this loud sound, confused the Philistines, and God helped us win the battle. And he made this memorial stone to remember, God will help us. And so when they would look back at this stone, they would remember, God helped us in the past, so he is going to help us in the future. I have some more evidence in scripture that God wants us to remember. Turn with me to Joshua, Joshua chapter 3. Another pretty cool story. If by pretty cool, I mean amazing, because it's a work of God. Let's read this here together. This is Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with, with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Everybody got that? All right. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. 
Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So you've got this mental picture in your mind. You have these twelve men, the twelve priests, and they're carrying the ark of the Lord, and when their ankles get into the water, the water is going to stop. Just like Moses split the Red Sea, God's going to use Joshua to stop the river Jordan from flowing so they can cross over to continue to the promised land. Verse 14 says, So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, When all the nation, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. From the very place where the feast, where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do those stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I know that was a long reading, but if you're still with me, say, yes, sir. God calls us to remember. God did a mighty work in the time with Samuel. He said, Look at this Ebenezer stone that God helped us. God did a mighty work in this time where he cut the river uh, off. It stood still. They cross on dry ground to continue on the journey to show that God was with Joshua just like he was with Moses. And they made this memorial to say God was with us then. He will be with us now. Why do we have crosses? Why do we have crosses nowadays? Culturally, it's just art. But why do we as Christians wear crosses? Why do we have crosses all over our homes? Because we want to remember that Jesus overcame death. That Jesus came back to life. And we remember that if he overcame death, then what does that mean for me? I will overcome death. If Jesus can overcome something like that, he can overcome sin in my life. We want to remember things because it will encourage us as we go on. Remembering is helpful in times of transition and newness and when the future is uncertain. So here are a few stories I want to share this morning. The first one is just kind of funny and and not really that inspiring. I just thought I've got to share some stuff about my youth, all right? And so my first Wednesday night, we had a back-to-school party at the, or an end-of-the-year party at the park. I think Amy was leading that. A bunch of kids, a few youth. And so I show up, 
and I love American Ninja Warrior, and so I'm thinking, how can I connect with these students? How can I get in there and just kind of, you know, hang out with these kids? And so I'm meeting kids, hanging out, and I see some monkey bars, which if you know me, I love monkey bars, all right? I love swinging around, being crazy, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to swing on these monkey bars, swing from one side all the way to the other and catch, all right? And so that's what I've got in my mind I'm going to do, not thinking monkey see, monkey do, okay? And so I jump on the monkey bars, I swing all the way across, I catch it, kids are like, whoa, that's cool, and so I start talking to kids, and we start connecting, and then I walk away. Little did I know that Kobe Heck, you guys know Kobe, Kobe thought, well, that was pretty cool. I'm going to try that. And so I'm nowhere to be found, and Kobe's with his buddies, and he's like, I'm going to try. And I think Demetrius Crownover said, Kobe, don't try this, man. All right? But Kobe said, no, I'm going for it. And so he gets on there, he swings, and he broke his wrist. All right? He broke his wrist. I didn't even know this till like a few weeks later, but Kobe just had this terrible fall, and I was like, oh, no, this is a bad start in Grandview. This is not good. This whole American Ninja Warrior thing was supposed to help people, not hurt people. And so that was kind of one of those funny stories that I just... Um, Every time I'm around Kobe, if you know Kobe, he's, he's a little accident prone, and so it's just the start of a funny relationship there. Um, but story number two, we started getting ready for our Disciple Now, the first community-wide Disciple Now that I was going to be a part of in 2016, and we were in Sunday school kind of kicking around, how can we get a lot of students at D-Now? Because I know in the past they've had over 100 and that sort of thing. We're like, how can we get the most students at D-Now? And so we're bouncing around ideas. Somebody's like, Jared, you should shave your beard. And I'm like, eh, I'll look like I'm five years old. I'll look just like Micah. So I'm not shaving my beard. Um, and so we're kind of tossing around ideas like, what's our goal? 150? I don't know. 175? And so people are saying different things. And then Josh Nash said, um, you know, maybe we can get 175 or something like that. And so Josh, if you remember a few years back, Josh had this beautiful mullet, all right? You guys, uh, anyone who knows Josh Nash, you would remember this beautiful mullet. And by beautiful, I'm saying that sarcastically. Um, but he had this wonderful mullet. And so we said, Josh, how many kids would it take for you to cut your mullet? And his parents are over there saying, please, God, let him cut his mullet, all right? And so he says, if we have 175, I'll cut my mullet. And he's thinking in his mind, that's impossible, all right? That's impossible. We're not going to have 175 kids at D now. And so I said, Josh, stand up. He stands up. He puts his hand in the air. I said, Josh, say, repeat after me. I, Josh Nash, will cut my mullet if we have 175 kids. He makes this vow in Sunday school, right? You guys were, were part of that. And he, we ended up, I think, with 175 like exactly. We might have even fudged that a little just so he would have to cut his mullet. So on stage at Disciple Now, his mom got the clippers and got to shave his head basically in front of the whole crew. And it was awesome. But as, as crazy and, and kind of silly as that story is, what happened in that moment was, was that sparked an evangelistic zeal in the hearts of our ministry. It was so cool. Something as silly as cutting someone's hair sparked. God used something like that to spark a movement. I really believe that that little ridiculous thing sparked a movement. We've had amazing disciple nows. We've had amazing mission trips. We've had the fifth quarter events after, after football games, and, and it's just been amazing to watch the hearts of these students, the hearts of our adults say, let's reach every kid in Grandview. And it's not about the name of First Baptist Church not about the name of Chambers Creek or Grace or whatever. It's been about the church of God, one body, joining together with these other churches to say, let's reach every kid in Grandview with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
And so in the last few years, I just wanted to brag on our students because I believe what happened with that thing with Josh Nash sparked this zeal. And since then, we've, we've seen 66 professions of faith of students in Grandview, Texas. 66. And about half of those students have followed through in baptism. That's so cool to me that God used these students. And most of it was them bringing their friends to church or them talking about Jesus with their friends. And God has moved in the past, and we need to remember that and give glory to God for that. And then these students go on mission trips. We went to Missouri. We got to New Mexico. We go to Arlington. And even this past week, some students were in Arlington, and seven kids received Christ this past week in Arlington. And on these mission trips, this is a crazy number. I didn't even know this. I just kind of looked back at my notes um, last night. We've seen 82 children pray to receive Christ on these mission trips in the summer and in spring break. And I was like, wow, God is moved in the past in these amazing things. And I could just sit here and tell you story after story. I could tell you silly stories about things like when we were on a mission trip, we have a kid named Squirrel. If you know Squirrel, y'all know Squirrel. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Um, Squirrel had a, a little kid come up to him, and the first thing he said to him was, I hate you. And we're like, oh, man, this is a bad start to the week. But that kid ended up falling in love with Squirrel, and, I, and, and by the end of the week, he was, like, crying when we left. You know, like, God works in these amazing ways, this hard-hearted kid falling in love with our students. I could tell you stuff like that. I could tell you about when I was driving to Latham Springs with four of our students, and we got pulled over because I was speeding, and, and they all made fun of me, and for the rest of time, I could, I could tell you lots of those type of things. But the coolest stuff is, is those moments when, when you see a kid finally get it. And say, I'm going to trust in Jesus to be my Savior. Or finally say, you know what? I don't want to live like the world because it's empty and it leaves me dry. And I'm going to chase after Jesus with a relentless pursuit. That has been so fun to watch. Another thing that's just been so fun to watch is the, the formation of our, leaders, our leadership team. We have around 15 students that have stepped up and said, I want to set the spiritual pace for this ministry and honestly, um, as I've started this new ministry, they, they've helped keep this thing rolling. Even while I've been a little bit busy with this ministry, they have been so strong. It's been so cool. But the last thing, the last little remembering I want to do is this, this last community-wide disciple now. If you were there, you know how special those moments were. We had worship at the school. How cool is that? We're not supposed to have God in schools, right? But we were there. And we were worshiping together, not just us, but the church of Grandview. Together, singing praises to the Lord. It brought me to tears. I was sitting behind some older adults who don't like loud music, okay? And they were singing their hearts out to Jesus because they were so happy about these kids coming together. And I remember that. I'll never forget that worship service. That was so special to me. And so I bring all this up. Because I see God commission Joshua and Samuel and Scripture, remember the things that I have done, because it will, it will encourage you as you go on in the future. Guys, I believe the future is bright. You, we have a, a new guy coming in. Daniel is awesome. I've spent some time with him. I'm excited about his leadership. He is, he's going to be a phenomenal youth minister. And I just believe that, that this, this, this future is going to be amazing. I feel like God wanted me this morning to reflect on the past, but also cast a vision for the future. I believe that what we've done over these last few years and what happened with Preston and what happened before him and what happened with Daniel Hancock and all those guys, youth pastors of the past, all that's just scratching the surface of what can happen here in Grandview, Texas. God can lead and save every kid that goes to that school. We have such a unique opportunity here. 
where student ministers can go in the school at lunches and talk to kids, and students can have Bible studies. It's amazing. I believe what we've done is only scratching the surface, and as Daniel comes in, as the students grow, it is exciting to know that God is just going to continue to move here. I have some challenges for you as a church this morning. I challenge you, students and adults, to continue the evangelistic zeal that started with when we cut Josh Nash's mullet, all right? Continue that zeal. Students, I challenge you to go deeper in your knowledge of the Bible. We've done a lot of evangelism, and we've done discipleship, but go deeper in your knowledge of the Bible. Go deeper in your love for the Lord. Students, I challenge you to continue your faith after high school. Don't graduate and then graduate from church. Continue in church the day you step on college campus or your career or whatever. Continue to be world changers even once you get out of school. Church, I challenge you to use every gift and talent you have to bring glory and honor to God and to build his kingdom. And I challenge you to find joy in God and not in the things of this world because they will leave you empty and dry. Amen? My last objective this morning, as I wrap things up, is to say thank you to you as a church family. And, and I didn't really know how to say that. I've been putting a lot of different thoughts on paper and stuff like that. But I think that, that Paul in Philippians really captures what I want to say. And so if you want to turn with me, it'll be on the screen as well. Philippians chapter 1, verse three, verses 3 through 11. Paul says this. I thank my God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains, I pray that I'm not in chains, but whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What he says there is that every time I pray, I thank God for you. And, and Sally and I, we want to say that as a church family. Every time I pray, every time I think about you guys, I'm just so grateful. He says in verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. The friendship and bond that... that we have found here has been so special to us. We, coming out of our, 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 right before we came here, we didn't realize we had some scars from ministry. If you've ever been in ministry, you know sometimes you can get hurt. And um, coming in here, we didn't realize how hurt we, we were in some ways. And God has used you as a church family to heal our hearts. And we want to say thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> Some of you have asked, uh, 
I'm not going to continue on that or I'll just keep crying. Um, some of you asked, what are you going to be doing now? And I know most of you know, but I want to give just a, a brief synopsis of what we'll be doing. Um, God has led us to start a, a, a nonprofit called Overcoming Obstacles Ministries, where because of some of the men in this church building an obstacle course and your generosity, we, we, um, we take a, an American Ninja Warrior course around to churches and camps and schools. And for the past two years, we've kind of done it, you know, part-time, just seeing what God was up to, and God has moved like crazy. Uh, we've seen 319 kids give their life to Jesus at these events. Um, we've seen 10,000 people play on the course and, and 55 events, and the 319 kids have, have given their life to Christ. And um, it just blows my mind what he's done. And, and so it's, it's me leading it and then a board of three men um, that, that lead it with me. And, and people, students, people come with me and join me as volunteers. And so really, as we go forward into this new thing, all I really want to ask of you is to pray for us. Um, pray that God will keep the ministry grounded in the, um, the foundation of the Bible and that we will just be so focused on what he has and his vision for this thing. Um, pray for us to, uh, to, just, to just have the strength to go from place to place. Sometimes I get to go in schools. I have to be careful what I say. You know, I can't just go blurbing about Jesus in a school. Um, but pray for God to use us to plant seeds in schools. Just pray for us to be wise um, but to be loving and to just do exactly what the Lord wants us to do. So I know this morning is a really unusual sermon, um, but this is what God's laid on my heart. I just really felt led to share this type of thing. Um, and so reflecting on the past gives us hope for what God's going to do in the future. The future is bright here, and we appreciate all you've done for us. And if you're here today and you're like, hey, I'm just visiting, <laughs> what's going on? I invite you to be a part of this church family, because I can tell you, I'm not leaving, because I love it. Join this church family. It's an amazing group of people. You will find genuine kindness and genuine love like you've never experienced before. It's the love of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, you've never trusted in Jesus. He's changed my life. He's saved my soul. He's made me a new creature, and I want to tell the whole world. So this morning, as we have our time of invitation, if you want to pray with me about receiving Christ, if you want to pray um, about anything else you're struggling, if, you're over, if you need to overcome something, me, Corey, will be down here, and um, I just love and appreciate y'all, and thank you for letting me be the youth pastor here. It's been so fun. Let's, let's pray together. Let's stand together, and let's pray. Father God, thank you for today, and thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, and I just pray, God, you have been glorified, and I pray, God, that our church has been edified. And I pray, God, you will do amazing things in the future as you've done in the past. That the things of the past won't even compare to the things that are to come. Because you are such a big God and you want to do great things. And I believe what you're doing in this small town is making an impact in the entire world. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.